4: presented
3: by AT&T connecting changes everything
5: you're listening to Fox Sports Radio, Sports Radio. Radio. this is straight out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas your host RJ Bell The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's RJ Bell.
4: You heard it. I'm RJ live, coast to coast. What a day! What a day. Post Tiger Woods NBA playoffs, two days in the books. Right now, 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock here in Vegas. And we got the pros who know around the table. Steve Fezzik, NBA originator. Brad Powers from an extended vacation. Hopefully we'll have some time to dig in. Here's all the college knowledge. Sports batters listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. My personal promise, we will deliver the Vegas truth to you. Can't have pros without Joe's. Joan is not.
3: Always good to be here, RJ. And we start on Straight Out of Vegas. Golf with the Masters, where Tiger Woods, a familiar sight, putting on a nether green jacket on Sunday, something we didn't think we'd see again. And here's how it sounded, courtesy of CBS.
4: Waited for years. Many doubted we'd ever see it. But here it is the return to glory.
3: And there it was, Jim Nance announcing Tiger Woods, the winner in Augusta. RJ, what is the Vegas takeaway on what we saw Sunday?
4: You know, I want to go around the round table and get the human reaction. One of the things we're really strict on on Straight Out of Vegas just because you're here doesn't mean you're an expert at everything. Right? I'm an avid moviegoer, I'm not a professional movie critic. So I might share my thoughts as a human. I'm not going to share them from the platform of expertise, of voice of Vegas, whatever. I think a lot, I think that's one of the big problems ESPN got into with the political stuff. Everyone, I think or most people accept other people have a right to their political opinions. The question is, are you doing that as a human being, or are you doing that as a expert for company? XYZ or someone up in a, on a platform with the lights on them from company XYZ. So, Fez, let's take away the wise guy hat for a minute. As a human who's got to be feeling your mortality as you're moving briskly towards 60, how'd you react? I
6: reacted differently than I ever do, RJ. Normally, I am Mr. Spock. I'm a mercenary. Did my team win that I bet on? I changed the channel. I don't care about the championship and who gets the cup or any of that. But I was actually moved. I actually watched the celebration afterwards, and I never, ever do that.
4: And what emotion were you having?
6: Oh, I saw Tiger hug his his little boy, Ah. and I have a little boy, and I just think, what a wonderful story, you know, the generations passing by here.
4: Maybe you should make this— like a, like, a, like a new tradition is every time you win over 25000 on an individual bet, you bring your boy down to cash the ticket with you. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe you get a few of, the, of those smoke. You know, like uh, remember uh, Larry Hagman on Dallas way back when he quit smoking and he, he sold these deals where you could pull it out and blow smoke in someone's <laughs> face. You could like have them protected. I mean, just let's just put that in the back pocket. Fezzik's little boy cashing tickets. I think there'd be a a real fam father-son connection. He's only a couple years away from
6: when he can start helping me with my Excel spreadsheets.
4: Well, let's be honest. That started already. All right. Next up, Brad Powers. I cried. Uh, You cried? Yeah, I cried. Uh, Wow. Especially when they went to the montage of when Tiger first won the Masters in 97 hugging his dad. And then they had it queued up for, you know, the little montage, him hugging his son. So, yeah, I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, this is a little too human, I think. I'm guessing Jonas didn't cry.
3: No, I was uh, happy for Tiger Woods, but always uh, a, a little bit cautious in, in my uh, celebration.
4: Now, now that's you know, that's a tease there. In what way?
3: Um, guy in his 40s, been bad for a long time, goes from 1,200th in the world. Now he's winning the Masters.
4: Now, when you say been bad... We're talking about on the golf course. Yeah,
3: like, like, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, come on, we can always keep it on the golf course. I just, I think we've been burned enough in sports by some great, great achievements that I'm just going to, I I hope that it's all on
4: the up and up, but I'm just a little bit cautious when it comes to my celebration. Of you know, riding. you are the first person I've heard say this. Has anyone else heard this discussed? No. Mm-mm. So really what we're saying, Jonas is the most cynical person on the radio. <laughs> I mean, because I, mean, I didn't even think of it. <laughs> I got to be honest, I'm a little bit more, not skeptical of the achievement, but I'm a little bit more like, why do people feel so strongly about this? Because a lot of people do. And has it been earned? And how much of it is about ourselves? Now, let's be honest about something everybody is a day closer to death. Today is the youngest you're ever going to be again. All right, those are facts. So once you're I mean, I think once you graduate high school even, a lot of times college kids are they lament high school like, "Oh, remember how nice it was back in the day?" They're 20, you know, 20 years old, lamenting high school. I can promise you this, when you're 48 like me, The idea of turning 30 is problematic is laughable. You'd be like, I'd love to be 30. Well, one day, hopefully when I'm 68, I'm going to say, man, I'd love to be 48. So we all have that in us. And we all love the things that were big in our prime. When have we ever heard someone say, boy, the music is so much better today than it was when I was in high school? Have you ever heard that said? No. Right? Because the music today is what you might hear for five minutes as you're flipping through the stations on the way to drop your kids off at school. Or maybe when you're on the treadmill or whatever, you listen to this or that. But it's usually your old music. Why? Because that was the soundtrack of your youth. So for most people in these age groups here, Fez again... Uh, we'll, we'll call it gener- generously mid-50s, right?
6: 55. Come
4: on. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, mid-30s. 35, yep. Jonas, unknown. It looks like he dyes his hair, but <laughs> but his face is very youthful. 19. How old are you, Jonas? 19. We'll go with 19. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. How old are you? Uh, 30, I'm guessing 34. Seven. See? Yeah. Looks good. He's healthy. He's a good eater. So we've got 48 for myself. I think we all agree we were all a little bit more in our primes, at least in some ways, 10 years ago. Right? So, Tiger, it feels like things are the way they're supposed to be. I felt the same thing in 86. I was only 16 years old when Nicholas won because I grew up. Ohio State was a couple hours away. He was a hero to Buckeye fans, and it felt like, oh, the old man got one. And I'm 16 years old. So I think we all, even if you're, you know, 78 today, you were more in your prime 10 years ago. So the idea that we can stop the inevitable erosion of everything is when something from the past makes a statement today. And you listen to Colin, and I thought Colin had one of his most emotional and passionate intros to any show I've heard in years for him about how, how much this meant to him. And then you think about it. And, and to me, genuine feelings in any medium, radio, whatever, are a wonderful thing. I think whenever Colin shares those, we all benefit. But really, what has this guy done In the last 10 years beyond golf, meaning, do we have any real idea? Jonas is the skeptic, perhaps when it comes to PEDs, or who knows? Allegedly, Jonas Knox, I'm RJ Bell, (laughs) straight out of Vegas, is (laughs) for the lawyers out there. But what, I mean, what's the longest relate? What's the longest? romantic relationship tiger's had since his divorce do we have any idea because let's be candid if tiger was caught doing some of the things he did in the past there'd be some special on oprah about it's an addiction or it's a you know relapse and and we know it was and correct me if i'm wrong so i'll say i'm not sure about this I mean, what was it? Two years ago, he was found asleep in a car, and there was some alleged... I mean, Jones, you're probably up on this. What, what was going
3: on? It, um, it, there was no alcohol, but it was pills, and it was said that he had an addiction to painkillers and whatnot, and there was like five different in his system at that time. He thought he was in California, but he was in Florida. It's easy mistake, you know, just uh, like the other side of the country.
4: So well, that's like we Kramer. Know. Yeah. You know, Kramer was leaving for California, and they said... When you're leaving, he goes. In my mind, I'm already there. (laughs) But let's be honest for a second. I'm not one at all to be a social, you know, like wow. But if it were a poor guy with heroin in his pocket, where would he be right now? And how different is that than having a bunch of pain pills? And I'm not. I don't know anything about. Were they actually? Prescribed or not? I'm guessing they were because rich, rich people who like drugs just get them prescribed usually. Elvis had a doctor literally travel with him. So if he needed something, it was there. He had the script beside the script book right there. And to, does that mean that, that we shouldn't marvel at the sporting accomplishment? No, we should. In fact, if anything, that makes the sporting accomplishment even more impressive. If somehow, some way, you there was some problem with opioids and heroin or whatever that kind of drug downers two years ago, and now you're the best golfer in the world, kudos. But boy, oh boy, it feels like it's like it's been this ten year tr- track back from this moment of of sin. But boy, I don't know what the heck's happened in these ten years. I have no idea how many waitresses out of Perkins has been. You know, he pulled out. I don't know. Do you, do you Jonas? I, I don't know anything about. I've never been to a Perkins. Not my. Yeah. Idea. Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and to me, what's funny is no one cares. If Tiger meant something to you, it was no different. Than Superman, meaning something to you, or some other icon. Like I have no idea, you know, if you if you went through West Virginia, and Ohio, in the '70s when I was a kid, you would still see JFK pictures up, like in the living room. Like they, a lot of Catholic families, especially, just really love JFK. They didn't know anything about JFK. JFK could have been uh, made up. You know, it's like Christopher on The Sopranos. They were talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis. He goes, that was real? I thought that was a movie. And it's like, really, what's the difference? It's all passed down legend that we had nothing to do with and we don't know anything about. And it's just that icon. Tiger's an icon to me for a lot of people because of when he had his amazing accomplishments 10-plus years ago, and we love the idea of returning to that. But to act like we know any more than that, I think is a mistake. It doesn't mean we can't appreciate it for being an icon that he is. I'm just not sure he deserves it to be much more than that. Thoughts, Fez? like seems like you want to push back.
6: Not at all. Tiger's imperfect, and I think that makes for him to be very attractive to us because, let's face it, most of us are imperfect. We do have our flaws. So when we see someone that isn't perfect but who's real out there and all of his other competitors— Tiger
4: is real? I think he's about the least real athlete oh, we've seen.
6: I disagree. Tiger's throwing temper tantrums on the course. He's throwing clubs as opposed to I all think, of I think Tiger.
4: I think Tiger has probably— if you look at the, the truth, if somehow we could find out the true truth versus Tiger, what he's allowed us to see, I think he's maximized that distance. Has he always been able to keep it where we don't see any truth? No. He is so frustrated you're going to see a club fly. He needed those pills so much that he was, you know, whatever went on. But I think that the whole Nike machine and many, many PR agents working around the clock have tried to shield us from that truth as much as possible. So, yeah, he's imperfect, but probably more so than most of the you know the average people on the street. So, to me, it's like I almost think if that's the case, how much do you look up to him? Or how much do you marvel at the fact he's a great athlete, but nothing more?
6: I don't think I look up to him, but... I like him. I don't know. I can't explain why. And like I said, just because I think.
4: and that's why he's an icon. He's yeah. a he's accomplished that. When we come back, we're going to give you actually the odds on Tiger winning the PGA, Tiger winning a Grand Slam, and eventually Tiger beating Jack Nicklaus.
3: That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox, and this is the pregame show you always wanted, right here on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code C R Show. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code C R Show.
4: I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas.
3: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of You the Fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will tell you what the future really looks like for Tiger Woods.
4: And last time Tiger won a major, I kissed a girl, topping the charts. <laughs> a little contextual history for you, Fez.
6: I was unfamiliar with that song.
4: Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Boy, that could be a whole show right there. <laughs> what was he doing in 2008? <laughs> <laughs> I know Brad was probably at a height. Let's think about it. You were 25. So you were probably chasing college girls. I was you know, out five of years, years out of college. Yeah, yeah, but still, you were probably still chasing them. Yeah, I was still chasing Well, listen, speaking of fun, every weekday we have fun bringing the fun of Vegas straight to you. Right now on the strip, 82 degrees, the neon is pumping. Guys, we've talked a
3: lot about Tiger Woods' win at the Masters on Sunday, a big event in Augusta. The world was watching. But now it's time to turn our attentions to what the future may look like. So, RJ, what is Vegas saying about Tiger's future?
4: Yeah, it's a lot of optimism now. And remember, he was close. He was amongst the favorites. There were a tier of favorites, and Tiger was in that what would you say, Fez? Twelve to one range, 14 to 1? 12 to 1. So he was right up there. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's the Tiger premium. He should be 30 to 1. I'm not so sure. So we did the research, pregame.com, and we talked about this on the show last week before the tournament. If you took the last two majors before the Masters, Tiger Woods had the best score. He didn't win either of the tournaments, but he had the best combined score. And our thinking is eight rounds instead of four, two courses instead of one. If you want to have an indication of who's golfing the best, two majors are a pretty good cross-section. Tiger number one in the world before winning this weekend on Sunday. Now you add up three majors – Tiger number one by three strokes over anyone in the world. So if I told you there's some golfer and over the last three majors, he's got the best combined score by, not you know, more than a little, three strokes, you'd say he's probably one of the best golf, golfers in the world. Can anyone here say Tiger Woods today isn't one of the best golfers in the world? No. So it kind of makes sense that he's going to be favored. And he's favored in the PGA already. And boy, did the book so take a beating. I mean, I'm personally happy. If you're a new listener, I don't like bookies. I've been in Vegas over 20 years. I'm in the top 110 to 1% about knowing bookies personally here in town. And this is what I think. Not all of them. And not even as people, but rather as bookies. Because I'm not there at Christmas when they get their kids gifts. I don't know anything about it. I just know the way they act as bookies.
5: Cockroaches.
4: Cockroaches, yeah. True enough. And they're all crying. They're all crying today. They lost. In fact, one guy bet 80, 85000 to win one point two mil. It's
6: a nice Sunday for him.
4: I mean, you and your boy would have been down cashing that ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have been one of those great, one of those great father and son moments. So, as I look at this, there's a lot of questions that jump out at you. So, one is: Will Tiger Woods win another major? So, over under a half. If he doesn't win another one, under wins. If he wins one more. Overwinds. Brad, there's a betting market for this right now. What number did you see? Minus 180 is the yes. Tiger Woods will win at least one more major. Alright, so you've got to bet 180 to win 100. So mathematically they're saying let me see, like uh, less than 66%. So they're saying like 63% Fez. Yes. Now you've got a different number.
6: I do. I think it's much more likely. I have Tiger with a 75 75- five percent chance to win a major so I think that number is light there
4: all right so you say minus 300 this this other sports book where was that at Westgate Westgate had minus 180 well you know how it is here Fez <laughs> whenever you make a statement Brad you want to jump on no anyone why because you because you cry when tiger wins <laughs> <laughs> no. you, know, you want to bet against him No. That's Brad Powers. I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. Fez, you're not feeling too good about your number, are you?
6: No, I'm feeling real good.
4: because no. So you, you should be down the Westgate backing up the truck.
6: Well, I like the better better against you, and here's why. If I win, I'm probably going to win in the next three years. If I lose, I'm not going to have to pay you until Tiger turns 50.
4: Yeah, that's a fair way to do it. That's a fair way to do why it. Why 50? No, but that's a fair you, Yeah, You're right. We, do, we should define yeah. that. We should define that. I think there is a point of those kind of bets where you get paid, but if somehow it 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 does occur when he's sick. Remember, people forget this. Someone mentioned it around the office is um, Tom Watson mm-hmm. almost won the British. I think he was like 59 or 60. 59 he was. Was it? A, yep. I mean, he had a shot on 18. I still remember that if it was a foot, it was like it was like ten cup. If it was like a foot shorter, he would have won that thing. It just went over the back of the green. So, anytime you have those long term, will someone do something in their life? You had a bet. Now, listen, one of our colleagues, and, and seriously, he Dave Malinsky passed away in a hiking accident. Guess it's been what about a year ago now, maybe more. But you and him had a bet on Jameis Winston. Would he be, like, an elite quarterback? You guys had some metric on it. You said the no. Malinsky's gone. You're not collecting.
6: Yeah, Malinsky, he took the yes. And as it turns out, it's unclear who's going to win that bet.
4: Oh, I don't know. I'd like to have your side. Yeah. (laughs) So, here's why I think you're wrong about the optimism with Tiger. It's all predicated on his health. And it wasn't that long ago that he was saying, I can't even coach, what was it, the President's Cup or whatever yeah. Colin was talking about today. Too painful to ride in a golf cart. Four back surgeries. So, is Jonas potentially right with speculation, allegedly, PDs? I don't know. No reason. To, I don't have any reason to think so, but I'm not a, so cynical as Jonas. <laughs> but... To me, if you knew for a fact that Tiger was going to be healthy from now to 50, I think your numbers are right on. But I'm free rolling, I think, because it's very possible 18 months from now, Tiger retires from golf. Mm. Mm. I just went like, uh-oh, he got me.
6: That would uh, make my assumptions uh, invalid now yes. with my numbers.
4: Now, speaking of those assumptions, that's Steve i and R.J. Bell. What, now, now, this this you came up with yourself, no market number. We'll put this up on Twitter to see what you guys think at RJ in Vegas. What are the odds of Tiger beating Jack Nicholas? So right now, 15 majors for Woods, 18 for Jack. That means to beat him, you got to get four more. All right, so will Tiger win four more majors What odds did you put on that?
6: 33 to 1, so about a 3% chance.
4: And that is, I think, probably built in to your number is, I think, the imperfect assumption of he's going to be healthy. So I would say it's even probably a little less than that.
6: Well, you know, it's interesting because if you took the probability he's going to do it based upon him playing really good and not great golf, he's not going to be able to do it. But there's a conditional probability that comes in. Should he get to 16, and then should he get to 17? Then we got to raise Tiger's power ratings. Imagine if he wins the PGA. So why, why is that? Well, let's, let's imagine he wins the PGA. Now all of a sudden in the British Open, he's not going to be eight to one. He's going to be five to one. The odds are going to keep going down. He's going to. Have but a but remember chance.
4: now that presupposes the market odds are the true odds, and we know mm. most of the time they are. But with Tiger Mania, that's where there's some real biases. I mean, here's the last thing we'll say about Tiger, and this is what you need to know about Fezzik. really. Our former colleague, friend of the show, Steve Cofield, on the weekend edition of Straight Out of Vegas, he wasn't getting paid very much. It was just to see, hey, can we do something from Vegas that catches on? Thank God it did. But he would drive. He'd, he was on 15 hours of radio a week locally here. Still is. And Fezzik comes driving in, whatever new car you've got. Cofield comes in, smoke's coming out of the back. I think you had to give like a hundred bucks to the smog detector guy just to get it through. (laughs) I've done that back in the day. But Fezzik was just so like, oh, what? The market says Tigers 20 to one? Heck, I'll give you 30 to one. Or 40 to one. Like you were like doubling the odds you were so sure he wasn't gonna win. This was last year, correct? Yeah, and
6: I was saying, hey, the sports books know the true odds should be like 50 to one, and they yeah, only yeah, yeah. 20 to you were, one. You were
4: making the point that there's so much fat on these Tiger numbers, you could double them and they're still bad bets. So Cofield looks in his wallet, squints his eyes, and says, uh, okay, I'll bet you uh, uh, 30 to win 600. Like he had you know, some little tiny number. And then Tiger would be, like, those last two tournaments, Tiger would be leading, like, almost all day Sunday. Then he would lose. Next Friday, Cofield comes in, just hands Fezzik the money. And if you looked at the money, it looked like he got it like his, like his first communion or something. And st- <laughs> first time he pulled it out of the drawer. And Fezzik just would take it, put it in his pocket, almost like a waiter handing you your takeout bag. And, like, Cofield was so on – The fact that Tiger was better than we thought. And Fezzik was just so oblivious to it all. But then poor Cofield isn't around to bet you this Masters or he would have been collecting. And somehow he he was so right about Tiger and he loses every bet and it just keeps going in that Fezzik black hole your pocket. But when they finally
6: won the last bet... I lightened up, and you showed me the stats that you had your team put together about how well Tiger was playing. And I said, "You know what? No I, more, no more Tiger bets for Cofield in 2019."
4: And that's why Fezzik.
0: I am Elma J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht.
4: Got to give you—you know—you either got to love it or hate it. Personally, I—I—I I, I feel both emotions about you at the same time. In just one minute, what happened this NBA weekend?
3: That's coming up next, but for all the latest from around the world of sports, it's Isaac Lohenkron.
7: For no one to be surprised, it's been announced nonetheless. Zion Williamson, a short time ago, officially declared that he will be entering the NBA draft. Absolutely nobody is shocked to hear it, but he made the official announcement nonetheless because it's 2019, of course with a video on Instagram.
4: Growing up as a kid in Fort South Carolina, I never thought I would have the opportunity to play Duke and play for Coach K, let alone have a chance of getting drafted. So I will pursue my next dream and declare for the 2019 NBA Draft. Thank you, Duke. This has been the best year of my life.
7: Also today, Gonzaga's Rui Hachimura declared for the draft, as did DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome of newly crowned national champion Virginia. Also today, Luke Walton officially introduces the new head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm excited about it, and I've said it. I'm, you know, I, I'm forever grateful to Jeannie and the bus family. Uh, we love .LA, my family loves LA, but we are very excited about this opportunity. We are, are thrilled about
7: it. And finally, in the NFL, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz said today that he has not yet fully recovered from the stress fracture in his back that cut short his 2018 campaign, but still he hopes to be on track to participate in time for OTAs coming up in May. Jonas, all yours. Thank
3: you, Isaac. Straight out of Vegas here. Fox Sports Radio coming up in 15 minutes from now here on FSR. We will give you best bets as we look ahead into some big games in the NBA playoffs on a Monday night. I'm Jonas Knox, the voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell.
4: Yeah. In our next segment, we do it every night. What do you need to watch tonight's big games? We got four of them. Two in baseball, two in the NBA. Fez, .com research Mackey headed this one up all eight playoff games this weekend went under the total and what's the total how many points team a team B combine them did it go over or under eight games go go under by 17 points per game think about that they, you know the Vegas is always right well they were wrong by 17 points per game. The average total for the weekend games, 219. The point score, 202. What the heck is going on?
6: Yeah, very interesting. A lot of things going on, RJ. Let's start with two thousand. Um, and 19 NBA scoring regular season. We saw an unprecedented high scoring year. The average scoring in the league this year was 222 points.
4: Which is up 10 points from just last season.
6: Exactly right. So why did scoring explode? Well, a big reason for that was this freedom of movement That the, for the defense. You can't clutch. You can't hold. You can't do any of that. And I think during the regular season, it's such a long season, a lot of NBA players just said, you know what? I just can't even try. I can't even put an arm on my uh, guy I'm guarding. But now it's the playoffs. And playoff basketball, historically, you've been allowed to do that. So I think what happened here is that we've seen playoff basketball, there being a little less freedom of movement, and the players realizing that, that they can go back to not completely clutching, but going ahead and putting an arm bar on someone and not getting called immediately with a whistle.
4: Now that is high IQ radio, Steve Fezzik. So here's the question. Whenever there's a trend, is it repeatable? Does it tend to continue, right? So oftentimes, trends are random. If you flip a coin enough, you're going to get seven straight heads, eight straight heads. How much adjustment? So let's look at these game one, and maybe we just do this on the fly if you haven't thought about it. Let's look at tonight. So we got two game twos. In general, They're being played, or specifically, at the same venue. Same teams, same venue. In theory, there could have been an injury. In theory, you know, you could say the games are a little different. These totals should be about the same, right?
6: Yeah, and we've actually seen one big correction and one non-adjustment. All right, so let's talk about it.
4: So I want to see, if your assumptions are correct, you're saying the whole world was wrong about the way the playoffs were going to be played. They thought it was going to be more of the same of this record-breaking regular season scoring, but you're saying, oh, no, no, no. Refs called the game differently, and thus there's going to be a significant decrease in scoring. If you're correct, we should be looking at the unders unless the market adjusts significantly. So tell me about the adjustment. And for
6: the most part, the markets have adjusted significantly on average by about 2.5 points per game. Hold on, hold
4: on. If it goes under by 17 and they adjust by two points. Doesn't seem like enough. May not be enough. So this broken Oh, do you think it's enough?
6: I actually think it's enough, and here's why. There was a lot of blowouts, and I saw a whole lot of games that could have gone over, probably should have gone over, but didn't because of very low-scoring fourth quarters.
4: So you're saying both teams know who's going to win. They know they get a the next game. They take the air out of the ball. Let's get on to that next game.
6: Yeah, like the Clippers-Golden State, the total was 234 game one. It's still 234 game two, and that game looked to be heading over, and then the scoring just ceased in the fourth quarter game one.
4: So what you're saying is there's two reasons for the extreme low scoring. One is what you said, refs are letting them play a little bit, benefit defense in contrast to the regular season. Benefit offense in that case. And number two, some of these, this 8 no is a little deceiving because of this reason or that reason. And if it was only 6-2 to towards the under, we wouldn't be so, oh, my gosh, things are fundamentally so different. So you think the numbers of that eight-game sample are a little extreme, but there is a reason directionally you look for less scoring. Correct, yes. All right, well, listen, we got through that. And 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 really, I guys, I really believe this is something only Vegas can do. You see that scoring go down. A guy like Fezzik's going to be as knowledgeable as anybody about the reason why. When we come back, we're going to look at those four TV games and tell you what you need to know.
3: That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox, and this is the pregame show you always wanted, and it's money-making time next here on Fox Sports Radio.
4: I'm RJ Bell we are straight out of Vegas and I'm Jonas Knox voice of
3: you the fan we have a double header in Major League Baseball on ESPN first pitch in a little over 10 minutes from now it is the Mets at the Phillies right now Philadelphia a slight favorite on pregame.com
4: okay Fez we want the half of our audience that bets they might want to pick this game the half that doesn't bet they want to know what they need to know to watch it What do we need to know? I
6: lean to Philadelphia here, and it's all about it being a really bad spot here for the Mets. The Mets had to play that Sunday night game. Now, RJ, these players hate playing the Sunday night game in baseball because if you're the road team, then you have to travel oftentimes on Monday to another road game. Now, normally you get to play in the day when you travel, not if you're the Sunday night team. And because of that, the Mets have to travel from Atlanta to Philadelphia. Short turnaround. Bad spot.
4: Okay, now, is this we always have to ask the question, is this something the market accounts for properly? Or do you think it's just mispriced week after week?
6: I think it's mispriced week after week. And I was ready to bet Philly, but it's just a lean RJ. And the reason being is Philly had to play a 14 inning game at Florida uh, yesterday. So they went long also.
4: Now that's interesting. In basketball, two tired teams tend towards the over because it takes more energy to play defense. If you have two tired teams in baseball, what do you say? I would
6: look more towards the under because oftentimes the pitcher's already in that city. Uh-oh. Oh, that's so a good ready. point.
4: So the pitcher, if anything, under first, first five and a half in. because if you're if you went. Into extra innings, maybe the bullpen's depleted. And
6: shot, maybe take the pens out of it, play first five under.
4: Wow, the sausage being made, baby.
3: Guys, at 10 Eastern time, Clayton Kershaw makes his season debut for the Dodgers. They host the Cincinnati Reds. And right now, the Dodgers are a minus 166 favorite on pregame.com.
4: Now, I've got a trend in this game Fezzik doesn't know about. I'm not going to tell you. I'm hoping you're on the opposite side so I can attack.
6: Well, I'm on the total. I'm going under <laughs> seven and a half, RJ. It's all about both the hit, both teams struggling to score runs. The Dodgers hitters should struggle with the Reds pitcher Castillo. Castillo's been great year to date. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, Fezzik, he's only pitched three games so far, small sample size. But I went back at the end of last year in September. Castillo was great in September as well. So the Dodgers hitters should struggle. And the Reds hitters.
4: So the fact he was great in September as well, you're saying we have a trend that, he tend, that, that now he finished last season strong, started this season Eight strong.
6: Eight great start exactly. And I'm worried about the Reds hitters. They were in Monterey, Mexico over the weekend. I don't like the sudden change, having to go to a foreign country, a little bit of altitude, and then having to go to sea level. Hitters are creatures of habits. They've been thrown out of their patterns. Probably it's going to impact the Reds' opportunities
4: to score runs. You know, Mr. T said it best. Have you ever been accused of doing something you didn't do? Well, it happened to me in Mexico City. So, I mean, you're making a very interesting <laughs> point, Faz. Now, here, here's, you didn't know I had that one in the back I pocket. Did you no, job? There's, no. there's all sorts of stuff on yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go through the closet, baby. Kurt, now this, again, pregame.com research. Seven times in seven seasons, Kershaw's been at home where he hasn't been over a 160 favor. Now it's just it's just gone over 160 here. But just you know, just over in those games where Kershaw is against a very competitive team and a competitive pitcher, the team, the Dodgers, is two and uh, two and four, or I'm sorry, home team two and four in previous six. Okay, Kershaw two and three with one decision. So this is just the seventh time. So six prior times. So this is rare, and Kershaw, like the playoffs, doesn't tend to step up. So I'm a little scared of the under if I think the ace isn't going to play as well. Faz, we only got 90 seconds. We got two NBA games. So let's go through the first one quickly. Nets, Sixers.
6: Yeah, I'm going to lean Brooklyn plus the 8.5. It's all about Embiid, and he does not look right to me. What
4: percentage, 1 to 100, do you see Embiid being health-wise?
6: I think he's 50. He shot five three-pointers. He's avoiding the paint. He's not going inside.
4: Okay, so you're leaning Brooklyn. Why not a like?
6: I hate going against that zigzag, the team that's—
4: We'll talk about this a lot, guys, during the playoffs— when a team needs a win, they tend to get it in the NBA playoffs. Last game, Fez, Clippers, Golden State.
6: I like this game. I bet the Clippers plus 13 and a half. It's all about Golden State tends to let up in the playoffs after blowout wins. So the last two years, given that they've won by more than 15 points. All right,
4: so it was a playoff game. Warriors win by 15 or more. Next game. Next
6: game, they played 12 times. Only twice have they won by 15 or more in that second game after that blowout win.
4: Well, that was a little convoluted. You you didn't give us the ATS record. You're saying they don't don't blow out and blow out. Yeah, they don't get
6: back-to-back big blowouts.
4: Last thing, when Boogie Cousins was on the floor in game one, minus 17-point differential for Golden State. So we'll see what happens with Boogie, but he was a detriment in game one. Golden State dominated in every other part of that game.
3: The Odd Couple is next. We are straight out of Vegas, back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight out of Vegas!
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.